Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, it is the Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ogburn here for our weekend podcast where we try and bring you stuff that uh, we... Look, it's been a busy week. There's been a lot of stuff going on. We've been talking a lot of Brett Kavanaugh, but we haven't had a chance to really dig into uh, all the stories that we wanted to get into. And one of them... I want to talk about with our good friend. She is the Vice President for Poverty to Prosperity Program at the Center for American Progress. She is also the host of the wonderful podcast, Off Kilter. You know her. You love her. She's Rebecca Vallis. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hey, Peter. Good to see you. It's good to see you. So we are taping this on uh, a Friday of a very, very busy, busy news week. It's been lots of Brett Kavanaugh stuff. We've talked a lot about Brett Kavanaugh. A few things going on this week. A couple things going on couple things going on. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I, I feel very strongly about, and, and as soon as I read the story, literally you were the first name that I thought of, is the story of Amazon. Because we've talked for a while now, for a couple of weeks anyway, Bernie Sanders has been sort of threatening Amazon and saying, you've got to pay your workers a living wage. Uh, that could mean, you know, the $15 minimum wage. That could mean a lot of different things, but you've got to treat your workers better or else we're coming for you. Well, this week, Amazon said, okay, crap. Well, we should probably, uh, we should probably change this. They announced that they are going to implement the $15 minimum wage. Good news. It's really good news. And I, I have to say, Peter, in a time where it feels like we don't get a lot of good news, this is one to really take and savor for a minute. It's a huge deal for about 250,000 of Amazon's employees, also another 100,000 of their seasonal workers. A lot of folks who have been working incredibly hard for a company that is widely known to not have the best work culture, right? So let's talk about that for a second, if we can, because it's not just about the money with Amazon. Uh, it's a big part of it, uh, but it's not just about the money. Uh, what are some of the problems that we're seeing with Amazon as a company? And by the way, full disclosure, I'm an Amazon Prime member. I hate to say this. I am, too. I feel so bad about it. I know. I know. It's, it's a great service. They sort of, I mean, I think the tough thing is, right, you know, when you try to live your values, when you have companies like Amazon that have so smartly kind of created a lock on a certain business yeah. model that is more convenient than almost anything else, right? I, I barely go to the grocery store. I barely have time to, to do anything that doesn't involve a couple of clicks on the phone. I know a lot of right. your listeners probably identify with that, and that probably resonates. And so it really is hard not to be an Amazon customer. Yeah. 
Should I feel bad about being an Amazon? I think person? probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I do. I do feel bad. I do feel I bad. Know, Just to I be do. clear, I feel bad about it. As do I. <laughs> but good. Good full disclosure there. But what are some of the problems that people are saying that that are working for Amazon? What What are some of their main complaints? Well, one of the stories that I think has gotten some of the most attention and has really stuck with a lot of people, myself included, is the very sort of graphic descriptions of workers who aren't given any option to have breaks. They're sort of put under these constraints where they have to churn out a certain amount of deliverables. And so they're literally peeing in bottles yeah. like because they, they don't even have time to take bathroom breaks. That one, I think, stuck with a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, so as you said, it's more than just wages, but wages hugely important, right? And this is a company uh, that is run by Jeff Bezos, who we should say is the richest friggin' human alive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, not, not exaggerating. No, literally. Like, uh, th- this week, Forbes 400 put out their new list of the richest Americans. And for the first time in, I think, 24 years, it's not Bill Gates. It's Jeff Bezos. That's exactly right. And he's worth close to $150 what, billion, something like that. Um, so tons and tons of money. And it was just a couple of weeks ago, folks may remember, when Bezos actually got a lot of kind of public plaudits for announcing that all of a sudden, finally, after taking a lot of flack, he was going to do a little bit in the philanthropic world, yeah. right? He was going to take a little bit of his uh, gajillions of, of gobs of money um, and and maybe, you know, not buy an 18th or 19th yacht um, and instead take a little bit of it, $2 billion, which is pennies for him, right? And, and divert it towards um, some philanthropic causes. And there's actually like a whole episode to do just on that, yeah. right? But a, but a big part of the folks that he was congratulated for trying to help are low-wage workers and their families, uh, and in particular those facing homelessness. And a lot of people, when that announcement came out, said, yeah, but maybe you should look in the mirror and think about paying your own workers a living wage. And that's part of what makes, I think, this announcement so important. Yeah, look, donating money to to charitable causes, great. I love it. Especially $2 billion. It's a lot of money. You're right, though. It's not a lot of money uh, by comparison in terms of what kind of money he's sitting on. But yeah, look inward first. That's exactly right. Set an example for other companies and how they can run things. If you want to really do something cool and do something that makes a real difference, how about not have workers that are on food stamps? That's exactly right. And that's a huge part of the story with Amazon's largely low-wage workforce is a lot of folks having to turn to nutrition assistance and Medicaid and other kinds of forms of assistance because their wages don't pay enough for them to provide for their families and put food on the table. So the announcement, clearly a good thing for Amazon workers. I should note in the wake of the announcement that he would be uh, raising Amazon's uh, base minimum pay to $15 an hour, uh, there also was another little wrinkle that that, uh, came out, which was that at the same time, Amazon is also going to quietly be taking away bonuses and certain kinds of stock awards from those very same workers. So giving with one hand, taking away with the other, they assure their workers and they assure the public and the media, everyone's still going to get a bump in their wage but important to put that piece of the story in there as well. You know, it was, it for me, uh, I sort of, for lack of a better word, became radicalized on capitalism when the stock market crashed, you know, 12 years ago or whatever, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, and it was like, okay, all these companies, they figured out how to make it work without the workers, right? They cut the workers, they set them, but... Once they figure out how to make it without those workers, they're not going to bring the workers back. And that's the thing, right? They will always find a way to uh, cut corners, cut costs, 
in the most vile way possible. And that's the thing with Amazon. Yeah, it's great. $15 minimum wage is awesome. I think that's wonderful. But at the same time, they're going to find a way to offset that. Well, and I want to, yes to everything you just said, and I think that is really well, important. <laughs> Blanket statement, Peter. Yes to everything you said. That's the only part of the podcast I want from Rebecca. Let's cut everything else out. That's the pinned tweet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, But so, yes to everything you said. (laughs) But I do want to also focus on some of the other benefits here that are not just about Amazon's workers. So, as you said, this is also particularly significant because of not just the example that it sets. I think it was Bernie Sanders, who he, he obviously, uh, credit where credit is due, was one of the biggest sources of pressure on Amazon and, and on Jeff Bezos personally to make this kind of a, a move and to raise wages in this way. Um, but but it was Bernie Sanders who, uh, who, who tweeted, and I think he's exactly right here, that this could have the potential to be the shot heard around the world, yeah. right? Amazon is a huge employer and a huge retailer and a huge force on the economy. And so it's taking this step is potentially not just an example, but also has the potential economically to also force wages up for some of its competitors. And so that's a really big deal that that isn't getting quite enough attention uh, in the wake of this announcement. That's fascinating. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it that way. But yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Um, So we've talked a lot about Bernie Sanders. I want to talk a little bit more about just like what it means to the Democratic Party, because this is a throwback to the old style, the old school way of doing Democratic politics. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people got disillusioned when Barack Obama took office and like nobody that oversaw the, you know, the housing crisis and the bank bubble and all that. Nobody faced any consequences. Nobody. Uh, and Barack Obama, um, you know, did a lot of good things. This is one that I really disagree on. And I think that it's a good reminder, this, this action by Bernie Sanders is a good reminder that, like, these politicians have the power to go to these companies and say, hey, get your act together. Take care of your workers. Provide living wage. Do the right thing or else we're going to come for you. Nobody went to jail over that housing crisis. None of these bankers, a lot of the bankers that oversaw the huge crash, they're still in charge of their companies. And I think, and I, I totally agree, and I think a lot of folks are still extremely sore about that. And so there's a lot of resentment that remains, especially among working folks who are earning really low wages. Um, so I agree with all of that. I think part of what this story also tells us is that public pressure matters a lot and that companies really do care about their image. A- Amazon was really starting to worry uh, that this kind of scrutiny, this kind of negative PR could actually potentially have an impact on their bottom line. And so it's not just out of the goodness of his heart that Bezos made this decision. Make no mistake. Yeah. It really did have a lot to do with the pressure that was placed on him. But there's another part of the story that's actually kind of interesting that plays back into uh, the political piece of this. So Democrats for a long time have been calling to raise the federal minimum wage, which for context, right, because here we are talking about Amazon's own decision for its workers. That's a private company's decision. But public policy needs to not uh, be missing from this story as well. It's been 
been almost a decade since Congress raised the federal minimum wage, which has been stuck at $7.25 an hour since 2009, right? So just let that sink in for a second. That's wild. Right. And over time, we know with inflation, the power of the dollar, right, diminishes. And so Mm -hmm. what that means is that in the space of that nearly a decade, that minimum wage workers haven't seen a raise if they're making that federal minimum of $7.25 an hour, they've taken a huge pay cut. And so in 2018, a worker earning that $7.25 an hour now is taking a pay cut of about $2,370 this year, right? Think about that as a share of a minimum wage worker's annual income. It's huge. And so Democrats have been trying and failing because Republicans have been stymieing their efforts to raise that federal minimum wage and bringing it back to Amazon here. That's also part of Bezos's announcement is that Amazon is now actually going to lobby Congress for a higher federal minimum wage. And that's potentially really consequential when you think about sort of a strange bedfellows coalition that isn't just Bernie Sanders saying, hey, we got to do better by low wage workers. It's it's a fascinating story. And I'm and I'm so glad that you're here to talk uh, with us about it. Um, We only have about five minutes left. So with that time, I want to ask you about a local issue here in Washington, D.C., and that is Initiative 77. Oh, you're getting my blood pressure up, Peter. I have to say, uh, I... Uh, write about food when I'm not here on the Bill Press show or have in the past written about food for a couple different publications. I know a lot of people in the restaurant industry. I've covered this issue a lot. Initiative 77 is? It was a voter-passed ballot measure in D.C. Uh, that passed about 56% majority votes in favor of Overwhelmingly. It. Overwhelmingly, a yes vote from D.C.'s voters. And this was back in June. Um, folks in D.C. may remember it having been on the ballot. And what it was is a tipped minimum wage increase. So to get wonky for a second, it's important sure. to understand how this works. The minimum wage that tipped workers, so think about folks in restaurants, folks in nail salons, folks who are valet drivers, all those kinds of people who work and have tips as part of their income, they are legally in D.C. able to be paid a much lower minimum wage than other minimum wage workers. They can be paid $3.33 an hour as their base pay. Just think about that as your base pay, right? It basically gets eaten up by taxes. They don't even see that. So they're living on tips. What What Initiative 77 would do, um, and why voters overwhelmingly passed it, um, was to eliminate that separate tipped minimum wage and say, yo, workers should all be treated the same, right? Makes common sense, doesn't it? And that's what 77 would do. Uh, Unfortunately, it looks like it may not be taking effect because D.C.'s supposedly progressive council uh, decided uh, earlier this week to give the middle finger to tipped workers in D.C. and, frankly, to D.C.'s voters by saying, uh-uh, we're going to stop this from taking effect. You know, I have to say, I find this this topic fascinating. I think that you have done uh, some great stuff on this, and I was you were one of the go-to Twitter accounts uh, that I would go look at when this was all happening because you, you laid it out so well. Um, but at the same time, I'm friends with a lot of people that run restaurants. I'm friends with a lot of people who are waiters, waitresses, bartenders, cooks, Up and down the spectrum. And almost unanimously, the people in the restaurant business were opposed to this. 
And that's certainly how it seemed throughout the debate, right? Yeah. You heard lots of folks uh, speaking out. You heard lots of people, uh, uh, you know, putting signs in their windows that said, save our tips. If you didn't dig yeah. too deeply, it certainly seemed right. like there was worker-led opposition. But you know what didn't get nearly enough attention in what? the mainstream media around this debate was the fact that the whole Save Our Tips campaign was actually a front group for the restaurant industry, yeah. right? What they very smartly did, and, you know, you got to give them some credit for ingenuity here, even if it is nefarious. Um, what they did when they realized this ballot measure was going to come up was they said, whoa, if we campaign against this by saying this is going to make restaurant owners have slightly less in take home right. earnings, right, right who, most of whom are, are actually doing pretty well, it's we're not going to do well. If we say this is really bad for the national restaurant lobby, right, it's not going to they're not going to succeed. They knew what they needed to do was to make it seem like workers were the ones rising up against the policy. And so they waged a massive misinformation campaign to tell restaurant workers, you're going to lose your tips. This is going to abolish tips if this takes effect. And that's just not true. And unfortunately, a lot of folks either got confused or were really afraid of retaliation by their employers if they spoke out in favor of a raise. Initiatives like this have taken place in other cities. That's exactly right. And those cities collapse on themselves, right? Right? Not even close. Yeah, no, they're doing quite well. What the restaurant lobby wants you to think, oh, my God, the sky is going to fall. D.C. is not going to have restaurants anymore. We've already seen this take place in eight other states, a bunch of different cities. And guess what? They have thriving restaurant industries, booming restaurant industries, and tipped workers in those places make, on average, 17 percent more when you consider what they're actually making in that higher base pay. And their tips, guess what, Peter, didn't go down. So, Well, my God, look at that. Golly gee. Are we being lied to by the restaurant lobby? Who who can you believe at this point? <laughs> almost funny, except that it's really sad, because what happened this week was eight to five, D.C. Council voted to overturn the will of the voters and say, no, we're going to side with the restaurant lobby over D.C.'s voters and workers. It's a crazy story, and uh, I'm so glad that you came here to talk with us about it. Vice President for Poverty to Prosperity Program at the Center for American Progress and the host of the Off Kilter Podcast. Go listen to her podcast. It's really, really good. Off Kilter Podcast. Rebecca Vallis. You can also follow her on Twitter at Rebecca Vallis, V-A-L-L-A-S. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Bill Press Show. Always love hanging out with you, Peter. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.